Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. She has five kids, and her oldest is between my two youngest. So they're nine months apart. So um, so my youngest child is an uncle to his niece who's older than him. So she graduated, and now my son will graduate next year. So we went to this open house, and the story of my daughter and I is a little rocky, um, partly because I, I was a stepmom, um, partly because she ventured off the path that I wanted her to go on, <laughs> and um, I wasn't very gracious. And through my walk with the Lord, and I've shared with you guys on many occasions just how God has uh, revealed his love for me and how I need to love on my family, um, how I need to love on other people, <clears throat> and it's all without restrictions. And yesterday I went to um, the open house um, a couple years ago. I think it's only been two, maybe three years ago. So I've been a Christian a long time, and it took me until about three years ago to figure out how to really love people well. And um, so I started with her by inviting her over, and, and I didn't even know the younger kids. Like, I knew, I knew them, but I didn't, they don't have, I didn't have a relationship with them at all. I have these grandkids I don't have a relationship with. And, and they, um, actually, the very first time we kind of bridged a gap was when I got married. I invited them to the wedding. And um, my one granddaughter, she was really little, she, she didn't even know who I was. Like, I'd never met her. I mean, well, I had met her when she was a baby, but she didn't know me. And so she came in, and I was wearing a tiara because because yeah, I was crazy. But anyway, um, she was like, so all of all of my bridesmaids wore tiaras because we were these old women, and we wanted to wear tiaras. So anyway, um, and she just looked and said, oh, you guys are princesses, you know? And it was just, it did something in my heart. I thought, I don't even know her, and why don't I know her? Because her mom didn't do what I wanted her to do. Anyway, that's the backstory. So yesterday I met this. Um, so I had invited her over a couple years ago. And through that, I, I just said, you know, I love you the way you are. Just, I love you. And, and, not, and please forgive me for the years of the breach. And she said, you know, I, I walked away. And I said, yep, I, I know. But I could have been like God and been looking for you you know, look for my prodigal. And, um, and so through, through the last couple of years, we've, we've started to establish a relationship and it's gotten better and better. And, and yesterday I'm at this open house and her mother's family was there and her mother died when she was 16. And her mother's family, um, <laughs> what I remember is them all hating me because I was the ex-wife, you know, like, it's just weird. It's hard. It's hard when you have, and it's just, it's hard, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't forge through. So anyway, I said to Anne, I was like, oh, isn't that your family? And she goes, she goes, yeah, it's my family. Um, she said, I said, okay, I don't remember them all because it's been years. And she said, I've told them all about you. I told them that I wouldn't be who I was without you because you've loved me. And... 
you know, it, it's a powerful thing to love on somebody and to show grace to somebody regardless of what they do. And, uh, you know, I reached out to her not because she changed, but because I changed. But that happened because God, who never changes, is gracious. He's always gracious and always loving. This series that we're doing, um, The Three Journeys, I always like to refer to it, so we all remember, we all know that we're in this three journeys. We've talked about the inward journey, and now we're on the upward journey, and then we'll do the outward journey, which I'm very excited about. But the upward journey is talking about who God is. And, um, and I, when we were picking them, we, we, Cameron had a list of the attributes and was saying, you know, who wants to do it? I'm like, mm, I ain't doing judgment. I don't want to do holiness. I'm like, I was looking, I said, I'll do grace. That one's a nice one. Let me do grace. Um, but they're all nice because it, they don't, he doesn't change. He doesn't go, okay, well, today I'm gracious. Now, tomorrow he might be merciful, but then the next day he might be judgmental. He's the, always the same, always the same. Today he's gracious and merciful and loving and kind. He's all of those things all at the same time. So, um, now, grace and mercy, though, I wanted to just uh, pick on this. Mark and I both shared on mercy on the same day um, a couple weeks ago. And there is a difference. Although they're very similar, the, the difference is this. Grace is God's blessing us despite the fact that we don't deserve it. It's his blessing on us. It's him being kind to us even though we're not worthy of it. Kind of like what I finally figured out with my daughter, that being kind to her and loving on her, regardless of what she did, it didn't matter what state she was in, I was just going to do that. God does that with us all the time. But his mercy is God not punishing us as our sin deserves. So it's withholding um, deliverance from judgment. I mean, it's giving us deliverance from judgment. So when we should be smoked, he doesn't do it. That's his mercy. So um, I'm gonna, not going to talk about mercy, even though I really like that one. Um, I'm going to talk about grace. So God's attributes. One of the things that we talked about, and you guys have probably already heard, is an attribute is something that does not change. It doesn't come and go. It's, um, I was trying to think of something about us that we don't change. But, like, I changed my hair color. <laughs> I know you can put in colored contacts, so that doesn't work. Skin color, well, in the summer it gets a little bit darker, so, but, but skin color is probably the closest one, you know. Um, it doesn't change. Like, Ashley, you're just as white as white gets. It's just the way it is, you know. Me, too. I go out in the sun, I get burned, you know. Some people are a little more tan, they can handle the, the sun. My, my daughter, she goes out in the sun one time and she's dark brown. It's amazing. But it doesn't change. Like, I, as, matter, as long as I live, my skin color is going to be my skin color. God's attributes don't change. It's always the same. And it was always the same in the beginning, and it is now. God's grace didn't change. It was, he was gracious from day one. And there'll be no more or less of it. And um, in Exodus 34, 5, 
the New King James reads about how the, um, Moses wanted to know what, what he's like, okay, well, who are you, God? And God revealed himself, and he said, uh, and it says, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgressions. And and by no means clearing the guilty, but visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. So his grace is a gift. And it's, and it's a unique quality that is only found in Christianity. And it was so interesting. I was, I was um, doing this research to, to look at, you know, all these different religions tote being a good person. You know, Christianity is not about you. Christianity is about him. Like, you don't have to be good. He's good so that you can be transformed. All the other religions, they want you to change, to do something, to attain something, to, to whatever end it is. Christianity is the only one where wherever, whatever state you're in, that's where God meets you because he's good. You don't have to be. And then it transforms you into his likeness. Um, and, and it's really, <laughs> I think what happened when I got saved and, um, started, you know, I, I forgot this scripture, Romans 3.23, that all fall short of the glory of God. All are sinners, that we're all sinners. Like somehow, once you're saved, you forget maybe who you were, who you once were, that that saving grace was the only reason that you are any good now. It's like, it's the only reason I'm worth anything is because of what God did in me. I, I have no value other apart from him. He did everything in me. And, and I forgot that and then looked at others through a lens of, well, you're not good enough. And I think it's easy for people to look at the world and go, oh, well, yeah, but that sin is really bad. Or that, you know, that, you know, we, mm, ooh, forgive us our judgments, God. Forgive us our judgments. He came for all of us. Not one of us was worthy. And in 1 Kings 8, 46, it says, there is no one who does not sin. In Proverbs 29, 20, verse 9, it says, who can say, I have made my heart clean. I am sure, I'm sure from my sin. None of us can do that on our own. We can't do that apart from him. So some truths. No one was saved or is saved or will be saved except by grace. And grace always comes through Jesus Christ. Now, this is interesting because, and what's funny is God was preparing me for this message even before I realized he was preparing me. Um, we've been talking about the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the God of the Old Testament was really rough, and the God of the New Testament is not so bad. And um, But that's not true. And you can read the Bible in a couple of ways. You can look at it and pick out those things. But everything in the Old Testament 
was leading to Jesus's death. And everything after is looking back at it. You know, that grace that we're saved comes from Jesus. There was a plan in place. And so even people in the Old Testament were looking forward to it. And we can look back. So it, it, it's a truth that goes through, it transcends time. And, and grace is what leads us to repentance, which leads us to righteousness. It's, I, I heard this, um, I heard this really interesting um, uh, thing, and I'm not going to, I can't remember all of it, but it was talking about how a train is very powerful. And so think of yourself as part of a train or a train, but um, it doesn't have a lot of power unless it's on the tracks. And you know what? When, when, we, when God transforms us, he puts us on, that, on those tracks, and then we have a lot of power to move and to go in the direction that he goes or that he wants us to go. And it also talked about the fact that those tracks are the law, that we keep his um, ways and we keep his paths because we know we have more power when we go down the track that way. And so um, we, we still have power. We don't have as much power without God, and we don't have the power without his law. And so um, that's an important part of it. Now, grace, um, God had a plan in place at the very beginning, and it started a thousand years before Jesus, or a thousand years before Jesus was born, with Adam and Eve. The plan of grace was already in place. And it started, um, the first act of grace that you could, like, see was um, God killing an animal to make a covering for Adam and Eve. You know, it was like, okay, here, I, because, like, like, let's be honest, if you're God, and you have these people that you really love, and then they mess it up, the God of the Old Testament, who just kills everybody, why don't you just take care of them, start over? Slate clean, right? Get rid of those two, because they screwed up, and let's start with new. If that's the judgmental Old Testament God, if that's really what he's like, then why not start over? I mean, he could have. I, if he's all powerful, I mean, he could just start, shoot, just start with a new earth, you know, scratch this one, go someplace else. But that's not who he is. His love and his grace and his mercy was there in the very beginning. And he loved Adam and Eve that much that he said, you know what, my first gracious act, here, I'm going to kill an animal and I'm going to make you a covering. Um. God, so I love this. I, I love little, what are those called? You know, when you, acrostic. Yes, an acrostic. Except I, I haven't got this one down yet. But God's riches at Christ's expense. So that's what grace is. So um, grace can be translated as favor as well. So when you find in the Bible, if you see grace and you see favor, a lot of times they're interchangeable. Um, it's found 206 times in the Bible. Um, Grace is God's kindness. You know, he sacrificed his son so that we could have new life, you know? And he knew that that's what was coming. When he, when he killed that first animal, he knew this, this is the plan. This is how I'm going to take care of it. And it goes all the way through the Old Testament and the New Testament. God is gracious all the way through. His grace abounds all the way through. In Ephesians 2.8, it says, For by grace you are saved through faith that not of yourselves... It is a gift 
of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And, and, um, and again, that is the thing that's different about Christianity compared to all the other ones. We don't get to boast about what we've done in our lives. And, and I think that's kind of where I was with my daughter as I was thinking I'd somehow attained, you know. I'm doing the right things and I'm, I'm going and I'm reading my Bible and I'm, I'm right and you're wrong. And, and I looked at her through those eyes and how, how I misunderstood what God's message to me was, you know. Um, yeah. Um, okay, so a couple places I want to talk about Genesis 6, 8 um, is one of the first places that we find the word grace. And it is, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, he found grace. He experienced that grace. This is the first mention of grace in the Bible. Um, and the first mention in the New Testament is when Mary found favor with God. Same, same word, original whatever you study thing. Um, so, so that's the same word, both places they found favor, found grace. God's grace is found and not earned. Now, it's, it's, um, it's important to understand the biblical order. So Noah found grace, and then in, uh, in verse 9 it says, then, the, then these were the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. It says, first he found grace, then he was justified, became a righteous man, and finally became perfect in his relationship with the Lord. So you find grace. God has this gift for you. Do you take it? You take it, and it transforms your life, and you become righteous and blameless. And you know, Noah's age is not unlike ours right now. <laughs> what a wicked and perverse generation we live in, right? you look around the world, wow, there's some crazy stuff going on, crazy stuff. And, and sometimes it's a little bit scary, you know? I mean, we look around the world, and here was Noah going, no, I found grace, and I'm going to follow God. I, I am going to let him transform me. And so he could be the one, you know, God could look around and go, okay, Noah, oh wait, that's right, this one picked up my grace. And I, and I was thinking about this, I was wondering, I wonder how many people just looked at his grace and went, yeah, I'm not taking that. Wow. How many people just went, no, I don't want that. I don't want your free gift. How many people today say, I don't want your free gift, God? Then uh, another, another place that we see um, God's grace working is manifest in David. And we know that David is an archetype of Jesus. And um, so he's a lot of times represented as what Jesus um, was, you know, is and who he is. And David, after um, becoming king, and we know the story where uh, Saul was king and God was going to replace Saul with David. And so Saul tried to kill David. And, and um, you know, if you become king after someone who... Uh, typical for that time, when David becomes king, what he should do is make sure all of Saul's family is dead. All of his line is dead so that he doesn't have any uprising or anybody trying to usurp his authority. And instead, 
David in 2 Samuel 9, he goes out and says, is there anyone in Saul's family left? And he's not, and what's interesting is we know that he was best friends and, you know, was really close with Jonathan, but he wasn't looking for Jonathan's heirs. He specifically asked for Saul's heirs. Is there anyone in Saul's line? And he, when he finds out that, yeah, there is one son, and I'm not going to butcher this guy's name, sorry, but when he finds him, he brings him into his house and he says, you're going to eat at my table and I'm going to take care of you. Now, that must have been something for the people of that day to look around and go, wait a second, that's weird. You know, that's not, but that's grace. You know, that he would just extend that gift, free gift, to come and sit at my table to eat and let me take care of you. And then in the New Testament... We have a, I don't know, pretty good picture of grace. I mean, a not bad picture of grace, you know. In Romans 5, um, 1 through 11, it talks about how Jesus is the manifestation and the personification of God's grace. Through him, we have obtained access by faith into this grace, by which we have been established and we boast because our hope of our hope in God's glory. And God, uh, and then later it says, but God demonstrates his love for us by the fact that the Messiah died for us while we were still sinners. Regardless of where our state was, he died so we could have that free gift. You know, that, that's what we boast about. That's what our, that's what that saving grace is. Um, and and so I was as I was pondering this whole uh, just thinking about grace and amazing grace, and I was thinking about the old hymn. My grandmother, my grandmother loved the song, and um, growing up it was a favorite hymn of mine too. Um, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. The writer of that, his name is John Newton. I don't know if anybody knows about John Newton, but so he was a um, little kid. His dad was a sea captain. His mom was a devout Christian. And she taught him a lot about the Bible. And um, when he was seven years old, she died. And his father remarried. And at 11, um, his dad took him out on the ship with him. And he went as far away from God as you could possibly get. He was out on the ship. He um, became known as one of the best um, blasphemers. He could curse to make the older men blush. He was um, just—he was just a pretty wretched kind of man, and he uh, had several court times in his life over—I think it was like a seven-year or eleven-year span—where he would get to a place and then he'd remember what his mother taught him, and he started to go back and ask God, you know, like started to pray. And then he'd end up on another ship. And um, he was also very rebellious. And so uh, one of the things that ended up happening is he was on the ship and he was very rebellious and the captain had had enough and he was on a slave trading ship. And so the captain dropped him off in Africa. And basically he became the um, mistress who was black, her slave. And she treated him horribly, so much so that the other slaves would steal him food and and try and help him. 
So he's in this really wretched place. And the story goes on and on. And like he had this woman that he really wanted to love and he tried to get back to her. And he, he was enlisted in the army, kind of drafted in the Navy. Um, anyway, at one point, there were several points in his life where um, he, at the one turning point for him was he was on a ship and he woke up and there was a storm and the person who was sitting next to him had been swept overboard. And he ended up having to tie himself and um, start bailing or I don't what, whatever it was. And then he ended up t- taking over and 11 hours in the storm was on the ship. And during the storm, he squeaked out a little prayer that, you know what, God, if you're really real. And then later in his life, um, and then he got, uh, he kind of backslid several times and then one time got sick with a, a fever and then he really knelt down and prayed and gave his life over to the Lord. Um, and then he was a slave trader on a ship. He was a ship. He captained a ship and was a slave trader. And God kept working in him and working in him and working in him. And it finally, at one point, um, he ended up being able to be not sailing anymore. He ended up, like, he tried so hard and became a pastor. He became a preacher in England, in London, and he wrote music. And the hymn he wrote, he wrote, like, lots of them, like 300 hymns that they sang. He had a church. He um, finally changed his life. Well, Amazing Grace wasn't real popular in England. But some of the people took the song to America, and um, he started to, towards the end of his life, he started to work as an abolitionist in England. And his song, meanwhile, he didn't know this, his song was a song that was used prominently here in America, especially by the um, civil rights people. So uh, his song actually didn't have music to it. It was just words that they chanted. Um, especially when it was first here in America. But he's quoted on his, uh, he's quoted as saying so many things. He said, first of all, he refers to himself as um, the old African blasphemer. That's how he referred to himself. Um, He was quoted as saying, I'm not the man I ought to be. I'm not, I am not the man I wish to be. I'm not the man I hope to be. By the grace of God, I'm not the man I used to be. He also said, may we sit at the foot of the cross and there learn what sin has done, what justice has done, and what love has done. He he wrote his own epitaph on his um, headstone, and it says, once an infidel and a libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. I, I, it, it just, it's amazing to me when I was reading his story that what he found every time he backslid was he went and found more grace. You know, God's grace is sufficient for the day. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have, like, here's your box of grace, Mark. Use it while you can. Save it for when you need it, and I'll get back to you. It's not how grace works, you know. His grace is always there. He's always gracious. He always wants us to come back to him. 
2 Corinthians says, each time he said, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. You know, this is the limitlessness of God's grace. In Romans 5.20, it says God's law was given so that people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ. Um, in Titus, it talks about God's grace has appeared bringing salvation. It trains us to renounce ungodly living. So when we experience grace, it transforms us. It helps us to repent, and then it transforms us and makes us right in God's sight. And then we need to extend that to other people. You know, that that's what, what it's what it's like. And, and um, I wanna, one of the analogies I was reading about is people saying it feels like sometimes God is chasing after you. Has anybody ever you know, experienced this? You look down and go, oh, no. Huh? <laughs> but the reason God is chasing after you is to show you grace and kindness, to lift your burden, to take it from you. You know, his grace is sufficient for the day. So that's what I have. That's the time I have. That's, um, I, I want, what I want us to remember, and as I was preparing for this, what I really felt was like, what would be the most important thing? I think the most important thing is to remember to sit at the foot of the cross and remember what was done for you and then extend the gift to someone else. That you remember what, who I once was and who I am now. That God's love transforms us and that he wants to transform those around you. You know? So let's just take a minute. I'm just going to pray real quick. So Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you love us. That you don't ever change. That your grace is enough. It's enough for, to cover all our sin. That Jesus died so that we could have access to you, full and complete access. And we thank you that you are gracious. Help us to remember your grace and its transformation power. And Father, right now I just pray that we would you would just reveal to each one of us someone in our lives that needs that kind of grace. That we would be able to extend that kind of grace. Yeah. Amen. You know, as um as I was as I was praying before service, uh, I had this picture. And I really feel like I need to share it with you guys. I, what I saw was this room, but I saw a tent. And, um, you know, a tent, that was a, 
I was someplace where there was a tent yesterday, and you know, a tent blocks the sun and, and it blocks the rain, you know, which is nice. But what I saw was I saw it was just filling up with rain. Like it was just, you know, it was bowed, you know, that real big, you guys have seen that before, right? And what I saw was that that, that wasn't a good thing. That it was like there was a barrier between us, you, between us and what God wanted to pour out on us. And I just saw that what, what needed to happen is we needed to like poke a hole in it or, and let that just wash over us. That God's love and his mercy and his grace would just wash over us. And I just, I just wanted to share that with you that, you know, sometimes we let that, that tent sometimes is our, Maybe our hard hearts. Maybe there's um, spiritual blindness. Maybe there's um, maybe there's a, even a a prideful. I already know everything. And I and I just I just would invite you to just examine your heart and go: Is there something there that's keeping me from experiencing all that you have, God? And if there is something there, then just ask God to remove it and let his love soak you and let his grace soak you. So um, as we close, if you, if anyone would like to somebody pray with them, we have a prayer team up here on the right. Yep. So you could come and ask somebody to pray with you and you could do that. And otherwise, um, next week, St. Anthony, I can't wait to tell him, <laughs> Anthony will be um, here to share in God's holiness. So um, let's go and eat some donuts.